2: Jackie Jones, hello and welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so keen on
0: talking to you. I saw this book a couple of weeks ago. I picked it up and I said to the girls, let's get her in. Uh, It's called The Gratefulness Guide. It is for young people, but I kind of disagree with that. I think it's for Mm. everybody.
2: I agree. I agree. And I think the hope, um, publishing it with Murdoch Books, I think our hope was that parents would actually sit down and read this book with their children, because there's a lot of stuff in there that we haven't necessarily been taught when we were younger. So, you know, in my work with parents, it's, I always get told, "Oh, gosh, I wish I had have known about this, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago." So, we really are encouraging parents to sit down, read it with their their children, and open up those conversations mm-hmm. around mental health, well being, all of it. All
0: right, let me introduce you because you've got a wealth of experience um, behind you. Jackie has over 20 years experience in the field of education and social work with qualifications in social work, positive psychology, and as a meditation teacher. She is the founder of the Gratefulness Wellbeing Program and has inspired thousands of students through her work and ongoing commitment to empowering our younger generations. Uh, Jackie has also delivered transformational learning for teachers, parents, and organisations such as TAFE, New South Wales Police Force. I mean, adult gratefulness and empathy is another story, you you know, Mm -hmm. Huge. And I think the US could do with it a little bit of that. Um, (laughs) New South Wales government teams as well. She's a visiting facilitator at the University of Sydney for continuing education, where she teaches mindfulness for busy lives. She's an in-demand guest speaker for wellness providers, mental health events and teachers conferences. And her work is featured in the media, including the Sydney Morning Herald, Channel 7 and the Daily Edition. Jackie truly believes in the revolutionary power of meditation and credits this tool for helping her overcome major depression she is living proof that meditation works and feels driven to share this tool with others to also enable them to live from a place of authenticity and joy i mean i just feel we are so lucky to have you here today
2: thank you thank you
0: Yeah. yeah I was in a conversation with Ben Quilty, the Australian painter. It was pre-COVID, so maybe eighteen months or two years ago, and he was talking to me about his mm. kids. I think they're primary age or upper primary, and he said yes. he tries to remember to teach them empathy every day. And I said, yeah. "Oh wow!" I said, "Is that something you teach?" And he said, "Absolutely."
2: Mm -hmm. I think yeah it's it's a foundation and everything that I teach when I go into school everything I've shared in the book I, I just think they're foundations for life and if we get this right we can go on and lead you know lives of meaning and sort of contribute to the community in a positive way I say to the kids when I go in and teach them You know, it's quite simple. When we feel good, it's a lot easier for us to to do good to those around us and out in the the world, really.
0: And that applies so much to adults. Okay, so tell me, how did you start in this field? Tell me a little bit about your background.
2: Um, So I started with social work. I worked for Bernardo's Australia for a a long time, um, setting up foster care placements for adolescents. And I got a little bit... Oh, very tough. And I got disheartened that it was just so reactive. I felt like we weren't doing enough to empower the kids. Everything was, a, you know, as a reaction. Um, and these kids were struggling. And so it made me then sort of transition into education and training. And I then had children of my own. I'm giving you a very, very condensed version here. Had children of my own, and unfortunately slipped in a, into a very um, deep depression, which had a massive impact on myself, my husband, um, and really had to start from scratch and think of, and think about, okay, what do I want my future to look like? And it's sort of. Um, put me on this journey of discovering about the human mind and um, the power of our thoughts and so much that I hadn't really understood. And so I went and trained as a meditation teacher and meditation really, really helped me um, overcome the depression. Had you, yes. sorry to interrupt, had you had formal no, training that's all before? Right. Any formal training? Had you no, no. Had- No, and and so I was in hospital being treated with depression and a doctor actually said to me, have you ever thought about meditation? And I was a sceptic. I was like, that's never, ever going to work for me. I've always been one of these people that are go, 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 busy, busy, busy. And for me, it was a challenge to start. Um, But I started with 10 minutes a day and it took a while but then I started to notice these subtle shifts in how I felt. So my emotions, my thinking started to get a bit clearer. And I slowly started to feel better. So I kept that made me keep going. And that's nine years ago this journey started. And I just can't tell you how much it's transformed my life. Was it postnatal depression? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that, you know, doctors said it could have been it could have been underlying for years and years. And, you know, I, I think this is with a lot of people. It might be one one event that sort of makes you slip into a major depression. And we're seeing this now with COVID and all the anxiety that's going around, you know, especially in our kids and adults as well. So I think it was, there was an always an underlying issue there, but Yes, when I had two young children, it sort of was the um, the catalyst, I think, for me to slip into this place. Mm. I think,
0: you know, I've talked to many mums um, on this program, actually, about uh, postnatal depression. And, you know, apparently, uh, and I don't know much about it because I've not suffered it, but uh, from what I've spoken with, with people, you know, the professionals very often tell us that it has nothing to do with sleep depri- deprivation. Mm. But when I look at some mums with new babies and
2: that- I mean, surely that's connected in some way. Oh, definitely, definitely. If we're not getting the right amount of sleep, it can cause cause all sorts of issues. You know, sleep is a foundation. and, And I do talk about this when I'm teaching in schools as well. It's one of those things that we just have to do. You know, we've all woken up and not had enough sleep and no one, how quickly our day can go from bad to worse because you know we, we we find it hard to focus, we find it hard to concentrate. Little things can really frustrate us. So if we if we get, but we've all had the feeling of having a really good night's sleep and waking up feeling like yes, bring it on and ready to conquer the world, sort of thing. So I think sleep is a really good place to start. I think you're right too, and um, I, I'm feeling like we're all over the place, but I will get to
0: <laughs> we'll right. start talking about gratefulness shortly. Yep. But I think in terms of sleep I think you're right like I often see the difference between I don't have children myself but I have a lot of children around me and yeah. I often see the difference between happy children and unhappy children is simple as sleep yes
2: yeah. self-care. self-care bed early yeah yeah, yeah self-care definitely. starts at a very young age doesn't it it does and um you know even as a as a woman you you sort of and you you know as a woman you're sort of juggling many balls and we sort of put self-care to the bottom of the list but I encourage children as well to really think about okay how can I take good care about myself of myself and we so often focus on being kind to others and I say it starts with kindness to yourself as well being kind think about how you can be kind to yourself whether that's sleep whether that's eating well getting your exercise in Whatever it takes, be, treat your body well because when you feel good, you can do good. Mm-hmm. And you've got a clear head to do, take on yeah. anything, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so
0: talk to me about this book and talk to me about gratefulness because, again, it is a trigger topic that I have mm. um, as as a grown-up because, firstly, I'm thinking we need more of it and you stop me if I'm wrong because you have more experience, obviously, than than I have. But I often find that... The fact that we have to talk about and teach it frustrates me with children because from what I see from the difference in my generation to these generations that are coming after us is that it's very much about the self. It's very much, you know, parents are what you're calling helicopter parenting or hothousing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Children seem to be way more fragile yes. than say, I was when I was a child. So firstly, yes. is it true or is it not true? Start, start from there.
2: Yeah, I think it, as I was saying earlier about the foundation, I think it's a good good place to start. Um, mm. We don't know what we don't know. And in going into schools and talking about gratitude, I talk a, around it being a really powerful emotion. And so kids are familiar with anger. They're familiar with jealousy and envy. They're familiar with all the sort of more challenging emotions but I want them to start tuning into the feeling of gratitude, of being really thankful for something in your life. Um, because when you can zone into that feeling in your body, it, it's it's a really good place to be. And our human mind tends to want to go and look at all the things that are going wrong. And so gratitude is the antidote to that. It's like, we don't need, we, we need to recognise when our mind is wandering off to all the things going wrong and try and bring it back to, okay, well, what's going right? Because there is always something going right. And I think, you know, the recent challenges with COVID, are just, it's, it's such a, a big example of this. You know, yes, of course, there's there's lots that have been frustrating and challenging for, for all of us. But there's also been some silver linings. You know, people have been able to work more flexibly. Um, Dad's got uh, a little bit more time at home with their children. I can't tell you how many more families I saw, you know, doing activities together through the whole homeschooling period. So there is always something to be grateful for. And I think we we can get caught in this um, cycle of. I don't have this. This is not right. I need this to make me happy. And what I want people to understand is that it can just be a simple sit for five minutes and really sort of savour the experience. It could be a nice cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, the time, it could be doing an activity with mum or dad. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be Uh, tiny.
0: You know, I've talked about this very often on my podcast and Mm. it's around happiness, which I think is the same thing. And I actually think happiness is actually a very low base, Mm. right? Happiness is having my cup of coffee and toast in the morning. Yeah. That to me is pure happiness. Yep. You know? I've got, yep. I'm out on the balcony, I can see the birds, I can see the trees, and I'm having a cup of coffee and some toast. Yeah. Many years ago, I was in a quandary myself. I was leave, I had just left, bought a house, left a job and thinking, what the hell am I doing? And I was listening to the ABC and I never quite got his age, but I, his name, sorry, but I heard this Aboriginal elder. And as I said, I've talked about this before. And He was talking about happiness and he said the problem that he thinks that white people have with happiness is it's always in the future. Mm, It's never in the now. Yeah. Yeah, And he said, so, you know, I can't wait for Friday, so, you know, I'll have the weekend and I'll be able to go to the beach or go out and have a drink with my friends or whatever. Mm. Uh, But it's always the happiness is never You're never quite in it. And he said in the way that Indigenous people think of happiness, he brought it right back to in the moment. Yeah.
2: Right now, me sitting here talking to you. Yeah. And, And it can be in something as simple as the breath tuning into that breath and going, I'm here, I can feel my connection. You're saying eating your toast out on the balcony, like really sensing into using your five senses and, you know, noticing what you see, noticing what you smell, noticing what you can touch. And that brings you into the present moment and then using the breath and then you're sort of going into a meditation in, in on its own. And that's a powerful, powerful feeling because you are in the present. What the human mind wants to do most of the time, and this is our big challenge, is it wants to think about what's gone wrong in the past, or it wants to start getting anxious about things that are coming up in the future. It's so hard for our minds to be in the present moment, but if we can tune into our bodies,
3: we can sort of override it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Do you think that's cultural?
0: Because when I think about children now, their days and, you know, I'm sounding like an old person here and I I probably (laughs) am, but their days are full of school and after school care and swimming and, you know, netball and whatever. So we're occupying them for 10 hours of every day. So Mm. there's not a moment to be grateful or to find the moment of happiness in the present.
2: No. And on top of that, it's, usually racing against the clock. Mum and dad are stressed. The stress then impacts the kids. The kids start to take on that stress. That can turn into anxiety. We don't have enough scheduled downtime or just playtime. Go out with a sense of curiosity and wonder and see what you can discover in the garden. See, I grew up on a farm and we had moments of that throughout our day. And this is where Indigenous people, you know, thrive as well. They go out and they're in nature, but just having that downtime as well, just to connect, just to connect with themselves, connect with their community, connect with each other. And we're just up against the clock, living in busy cities. We're just, the kids are usually overscheduled and there is no opportunity just to sit and go, okay, what am I going to do? Just connect with myself. You know, it's just, yeah, it's it's not very well done these days. Unfortunately. And we
0: all do it. We all do it. I yep. swim every morning and we talked a little bit about that before we started recording. And I found myself last year during COVID and we've been lucky enough to have the pool open in the times that we weren't in lockdown, rushing down there and jumping in the pool,
3: swimming <laughs> my lap
0: yeah, and <laughs> getting out and rushing and putting my, and I just thought, why am I in such a hurry? And yeah. it really took me. Uh, it was just a mental, you know, kind of like a yeah. moment. Stop. You've got yep. time. You're working from home now. You don't have to, you know, factor in commuting, you know, stop. Yeah. So now I sit yeah. down, I enjoy the sunshine. I enjoy other people lapping. It's really changed my whole experience with swimming.
2: That's fantastic. And then when you're swimming like that, it almost becomes a meditation itself, doesn't it? You just mm. slow, you're enjoying the process, enjoying the moment. But you see, most of us have this habit or the programming that we've just got to keep going, going, tick things off your list, tick, 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 tick. And we're not actually, we're just going through the motions. We're not actually enjoying the moment. We're not actually soaking in the feeling of this feels good. So it is, you know, that trying to slow everything down a little bit, slow your life down, that's going to have a really good impact on the children around you. It's just the challenge is... um, you know, it's giving yourself permission to do that. It's okay to do that.
0: If I came to you for advice and I had a, let, let's say a 12 year old who was feeling anxious, who was feeling mm. stressed, you know, there's a lot of unhappiness in that age group as well, because it's yeah. kind of borderline. I'm not a kid and I'm not an adult. Yet. Yeah. Tell
2: me, <laughs> Tell me how you approach that. Um, first thing is we look at habits, so what are they, what's their daily schedule like? Um, how much screen time are they having, All the, how much how much sleep are they getting? Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, thinking about their habits over the course of the day, and then sort of trying to tweak that, where can we get some downtime in? And then I really I, you know it's great to work one- on one with children and start teaching them some uh, strategies to calm themselves down. So if they start to feel the anxiety or if they start to feel a little, un- a little bit uncomfortable, some breathing techniques just to bring them back, themselves back to neutral. And that's really, I guess, what the book was all about was trying to empower a child to say, you can do this on your own. Despite what's going on around you, you can't, there are practical ways and tools that you can look after your own body and mind and start finding that neutral point for yourself because that's when you feel comfortable. You know, you're not in a state of anxiety. You're not in a state of stress. So, I think we underestimate the power of a breath and just really teaching them um, how to calm their mind and just connect with themselves, that true essence of who they are. I'm. Uh, I've got a
0: dog. I had two dogs until recently. Yes. And one died, and and I'm relating this to you know I had a trouble trouble a, a couple of few years ago with their relationship together. Mm. and I got a trainer in and I realised the trainer wasn't training the dogs, mm. he was training me, Yes, right? Yes. And do you think there's an element of that? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yes. I say, you know, I run parent sessions um, in schools and I say to the parents, monkey see, monkey do. Mm. You know, we are our kids' biggest role models Um and it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's a lot of pressure being a parent. I think it's the hardest job I have ever had to do. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing can prepare you for it. At the end of the day, we are our child's biggest role models. And, you know, if we can show them the importance of self-care by looking after ourselves, if we can show them the importance of gratitude by being grateful ourselves, They're the biggest lessons, you know, the kids are going to remember that. I talk about doing things as a family, you know, creating those magical memories, the things that your kids will look back on and think, wow, that was such a good time. Um, and and just recognising when we get caught on the hamster wheel because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's happening to a lot of us. And a good time could just be playing with the hose in the garden. Absolutely, a return to what we used to do as kids, you know. We don't need, they don't need the best and the greatest devices. They don't need all this expensive stuff. I take my kids for a bushwalk out at Lane Cove National Park and they're some of the the nicest things. We do just return to nature or I say you go and sit in the park on a sunny day, take a ball. We don't need to be spending a lot of money. Um, we can do these simple things and often they're the the best experiences for our kids. Mm. Introduce mm. them to what we did. You
0: know what I've also noticed? I look after my great nephew. I pick him up from school every Monday. Mm. And we as I said, I have a dog, so we have to walk around the park, right? We take the dog out. It is the best conversation. Yeah.
2: Ever. Yeah, absolutely. And I learned this trick when I was back in my social work days and I was caseworking kids. I never sit and have a face-to-face conversation with them because they found it so uncomfortable. So I would either take them for a drive so we're side-by-side and they don't have to look at you, I think, Mm. or go for a walk where you're side-by-side, do a side-by-side activity. And if you're out doing something, it's so much easier to get the conversation going than kids are uncomfortable sitting in a room Having to have this face to face conversation. Even adults are. Yeah. Walking is so conducive to yes. talking side yeah. by side. Really- I do it. I do. I have walking meetings. I do. We, we, you know, if I want to, we will do a walking meeting. I just think it's so, so much better. You Get in the flow and it's just yeah. a natural conversation. Then. So tell me, how did the book come about? Well, through meditation. I was meditating, but lots of parents had been and teachers had been saying to me so you know I'm going into schools and teaching my programs and they were saying how can I keep this going at home what are some of the simple things that I could be doing because it doesn't need to be complicated but I guess we're not taught how to do this as parents we're not taught how to have conversations around mental health Um, and I was thinking they were asking me about books that I could recommend and I really hadn't come across one. I'm sure there's one out there, but I just hadn't come across it. So I thought I was meditating one morning and I went, I've got to write the book. That's Mm -hmm. what I've got to do. I've got to write the book. So I sort of just started from there. And then I thought it'd be great to have some real life case studies because I know kids love stories. They love real stories. So um, I approached Novak Dokovic and he said, yes, he'd be involved. And um, Mel Robbins who's a TV host in the US she got involved Michelle Payne so I had these people then start to contribute and um, yeah I sort of take the readers on a bit of a journey and it's very visual as well that I ask them and it's to, playful I think. yeah yeah and that's it. it the conversation around mental health doesn't need to be a serious one it can be playful it can be there can be lots of fun ways of approaching this. And that's what I wanted to really empower kids to think about and parents as well. Mm. It really is. It's such an easy, simple guide. And as I said, I
0: mean, I think it's for adults as well as kids. It's really we should all stop and listen. Okay, before
2: we finish up, I want five easy tips. Five easy tips. Um, The first one has to be sit with your breath. If you find it uncomfortable, try and sit with your breath for five minutes a day. It could be with a cup of coffee. Not allowed to be with a device. Just sit with your breath. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a glass of wine. Not allowed to be with <laughs> a glass of wine. <laughs> look, if that floats your boat, you can do that. But just sit with your breath for five minutes a day. Calm your nervous system. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is look Yeah, look at self-care. What, what things can you do for yourself this year? Don't put pressure on yourself. Just approach it with a sense of curiosity what things can I do this year to take better care of me? And you'll know there's there's something that you want to change, you know, so sit with that. Um, gratitude, huge thing for me um, and highly recommend it. So keeping a gratitude journal if you like writing. If you don't like writing, I do a magical memories jar at home. Very easy thing for families to do, so grab a jar and throughout the course of the year people put their magical memories in the in the jar and then we sit down as a family on new year's eve and we tip out all the magical memories and just have a moment of family gratitude for all the things that have gone well for us um throughout the course of the year so it's a really nice way to finish off a year as well Mm -hmm. um so that's three what else um yeah talking to your kids about mental health really opening up that conversation. That's my my goal is to make this an everyday conversation. You know, we we have no hesitation in talking about physical health Mm. with each other. Oh, I went for a swim this morning or I went for a run. Mm. I want to get the conversation around what did you do for your mind today? How did you take care of your mind? Because your mind is such a precious and powerful tool. We really need to start taking care of it. And the other thing is on, on that, my final point is I explain to the kids, you know, your mind is like a big filing cabinet and everything that we're doing and seeing and thinking is stored in this filing cabinet. So start to become aware of what you're storing in there, you know, and it's just the same as our bodies. We don't want to fill our bodies with too much junk. Yes, it's okay to eat, you know, everything in moderation, I say, don't overcomplicate it, but start to have that same awareness about your mind. Uh, is there stuff that you're watching on youtube or you know on screens that's sort of junk for your mind become conscious of it because it does get stored up there and it can be powerful you are amazing
0: jackie i can't i mean i just think it's such a treat for us to have had you today thank you um thank you so much for your time the book is called the gratefulness guide
2: thank you cheryl thank you so much It's, it's just been lovely lovely